The John Morris Show, episode 57. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... You are now listening to The John Morris Show. My name is John Morris, Army veteran turned freelance web developer, and each week I bring you a fresh look into the latest news, advice, and next steps for the self-made web designer and developer to help you reach your dream of coding for a living faster. Thanks for giving me some of your time today. Now, let the episode begin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Complete Web Developer Course by Rob Percival on Udemy.com, where you can learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, MySQL, WordPress, mobile apps, and more inside one convenient course, so you can shortcut the time it takes to start earning your full-time income as a web developer. John Morris Show listeners can get an exclusive 85% discount on the course, by visiting johnmorrisonline.com slash cwdc. That's johnmorrisonline.com slash cwdc. I think I'm going to name this the Confessions episode. If I were to give my episodes names, we would name this one Confessions. I'm looking at the list of things that I want to talk about today, and it is about to get real. So yeah, some important things I want to talk about. I actually like to talk about those things this time of year because I think they're things that all of us are dealing with that nobody really does talk much about, and it's important that we do. Because these are real things that we all face. And the more we can talk about them, get information from different sources, the more it can help us. So, welcome to the Confessions episode. This is the John Morris Show. I am your host, John Morris. Now, if you haven't yet, I would highly recommend and encourage you. And it would be, I would be very appreciative if you would go ahead and head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. If you've been listening to the show, you have an Apple device, and you want to have it downloaded immediately to your device as soon as it becomes available, probably, usually, before it comes available on YouTube, be sure to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes and subscribe to the show. And if you wouldn't mind leaving me a review over there, I'd greatly appreciate that as well. Also, right now for Android, we're on SoundCloud. We are all up, all set up for Google Play, so once that's released, you'll be able to subscribe right inside of Google Play. But for now, you can go to johnmorrisonline.com slash SoundCloud and subscribe there. All right, welcome to 2016. It is the new year. Lots of people excited this time of year. Lots of things going on. I'm excited. And I've got a really great show for you today. Like I said, a lot of important topics that we're going to dive into. So some of the things coming up in this show, we're going to be talking about CES. That's probably one of the biggest news-related items going on right now. So we'll be talking about that. 
I'm going to talk a little bit about Oculus Rift pre-orders starting on Wednesday and how that relates to web development because I do think there is a little bit of a tie-in. Also, GM and Lyft teaming up for self-driving cars. We're going to talk about responsive web design principles every web developer should know. Now, this was an article that I came across that I just I thought it was really great. I really love geeking out on these kinds of topics. So we're going to dive into that. Also, in the mindset section, we're going to talk about not being so darn difficult to work with and making it easy for clients to like you. Uh, Also going to talk about how I'm launching my wife's freelance career. So my wife is going to officially take the plunge into freelancing. And so I've sat down and started thinking through exactly what I'm going to have her do. So I'm going to share with you exactly what I'm going to have my own wife do in launching her freelance career. So you probably get some benefit out of that if you're a freelancer. And of course, as always, our weekly Q&A. But before I do that, I want to get into some of the confessions that I mentioned to earlier. So before we get to all that, I want to talk a little bit about depression. Now, I want to talk about this at this time of year because it's kind of a well-known and established fact that during the holidays, there are certain people and groups of people that tend to experience depression-type feelings and symptoms more heavily than other times of the year. Now, I can relate to this because growing up, for me, the holidays, my birthday, all those times of the year were fairly depressing, and that was because we were broke. And so I essentially watched everybody else getting you know, presents and gifts and having a great time. And it reminded me of how cruddy our life was. And it was easy to get depressed during that time of year. So there's a lot of, you know, it's easy for people to start feeling like that this time of year. For web developers, and again, something that I experienced, it can be even more so, I think, because Oftentimes, this time of year is a time of reflection and looking back on the past year and the things that we've accomplished and so forth. And I know for me in really in a couple different areas, one, the learning phase, teaching myself how to code, which I imagine a lot of you are doing. And also, once I kind of got through that into the now building a career phase and starting to try and actually earn a living writing code. Both of those different phases, there were times when I looked back on the previous year and was really, really discouraged because I hadn't made the progress that at the beginning of that year I had hoped to, that I had dedicated myself to, I'd made some sort of resolution to make progress. I just hadn't made it. Now, you know, eventually I got there, right? But it's easy some if you're not as far along as you want to be to look back and get frustrated. So it's easy to get depressed when you're fighting your way into the web development world. I mean, this stuff is hard. 
or at least it can be at first. The learning phase is, I, I often say this, the learning phase is the hardest part of web development. So it can be discouraging. But the thing that I want you to know out of all this is the biggest mistake that I made in all of that and that I feel like I've ever made in my web development career was giving up. And I did that. I got frustrated. I had looked back on where I thought I would be and where I was. And I got frustrated and I gave up. And that I ultimately ended up taking about a year off of web design, web development. I just didn't do anything with it because I was so frustrated. I was burnt out. And I just didn't want anything to do with it anymore. I thought I was going to give it up forever. And so, again, I gave up. And that, you know, I generally don't regret things, but I regret that. Because it really, really cost me. It cost me that year but it also cost me everything that I forgot. It cost me all of the momentum because despite the fact that I was frustrated with where I was, I had built up some momentum and I lost all of that and I had to start all over again, really from scratch, momentize with my learning in my career and so forth. And it really, really, really set me back. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want this? Now, if you had asked me that question at that time and got me to be honest, I would have, even when I gave up, I would have said yes. It is what I wanted. I just didn't think I could do it. So it was what I wanted. And you have to be honest with yourself and ask yourself that. Do I really want this? And if the answer is yes, then you just have to know, no matter how difficult it gets, you, you have to keep moving forward. Because if you don't, if you give up, you will regret it just like I did. Um, and the other side of that is, it's going to get better. <laughs> it, it it does. It really does. If you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling depressed right now, keep at it. It will get better. You will start to internalize some of the things that you're learning. Again, whether that's learning how to code, whether that's learning how to build your career, market yourself, so forth. It will get better. You'll internalize it. You'll get better at it. And it, it, it will get easier. Now, there's always going to be things that are a little bit difficult about technology and web development and so forth. But you'll find yourself in a much better mind state and have peace of mind. It will happen. You just have to keep at it and not give up and, and cost yourself like I did. So what I would suggest that you do is you set a goal for 2016 on where you want to be by the end of it. Now, I know that can be somewhat setting yourself up for uh, pain and, and being hurt because you may not reach that goal. But if you take the long view, if you set a goal, you're much more likely to get further along than if you just kind of wander aimlessly and don't really have a set goal. So wherever you're at, set, and I would, I would set a stretch goal, something that's not necessarily super easy to achieve and, and, and that you'd have to push in order to achieve. Set a goal, whatever it is. I want to feel like I have PHP mastered by the end of 2016 or 
you know, I want to have my first client by the end of 2016, or I want to be hired at a tech company by the end of 2016, whatever it is. Set yourself a stretch goal on where you want to be by the end of it, and then keep, just keep focused and keep moving towards that. Regardless of whether or not you achieve the goal, I'm confident that if you do that, you'll be much further along by the end of the year than if you didn't. All right, so as I said, a number of things coming up in this episode. We're going to, again, talk CES, Oculus Rift, GM and Lyft, responsive design principles. Also going to be talking about how to be easy to work with and make clients like you and want to keep hiring you. And the thing that I've had almost every client tell me about their past developer that you definitely do not want your client saying about you. Also, how I'm launching my wife's freelance career, and as always, our weekly Q&A. You're listening to The John Morris Show on johnmorrisonline.com. Hey, everybody. Here's a quick one for you. We all know how important creating blog content is to attract new clients to your web design business, but oftentimes those first few members of your audience can be difficult to get. Well, I want to help try and get you over that hump and help you get your first few followers. Now, I have an audience of over 20,000 YouTube subscribers, email list subscribers, and roughly 30,000 visitors to my website each and every month. And I'd have no problem promoting your website to that audience and helping you get those first few visitors. Now, to get the details on this, you'll have to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash publicity. But you'll need to do it before you actually start your blog. So head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash publicity and let me help you get those first few visitors and those first few members of your audience. Welcome back to the John Morris Show and johnmorrisonline.com. Let's talk a little news. So I think probably the biggest news in tech going on this week, so far anyway, is the Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, going on January 6th through the 9th. Now, if you haven't seen the schedule, you'd like to take a look at it. I have included a link to the full schedule over on the show notes page for this episode. That will be johnmorrisonline.com. Fifty-seven. You can find that link and all the links that I mention throughout the show. You can find there. Now, you know, CES is always a little bit of a crapshoot for me. I mean, it's not necessarily something that's super web development related. It's really kind of more general technology and so forth. So, It's not something that I necessarily wait on pins and needles to see, but you know what? We, we are in a tech field and there, there can be at times things that come out of CES and the different shows like that, that affect what we do. And oftentimes the things that you'll see come out of there are things that you wouldn't necessarily have predicted because you're going to see some new things. Oftentimes that's what these shows are about, about the latest and the greatest, the newest and so forth. So, you know, it's something that I'm not, I don't know that you necessarily need to try and watch every session or get the lowdown on every session, you know, as it comes out. But it's definitely something that you want to pay attention to because, uh, again, the, the, 
the technology that comes out of there has the potential to affect what what you and I do. So that's going on this week. You know, there's a couple things that have come out that people are probably going to be talking about or that there's going to be sessions on at the event like the Oculus Rift and and Lyft and GM and so forth. So we'll talk about some of that stuff, but the show hasn't actually started yet as of this recording. So uh, not too much that we can talk about, but uh, again, good to know that that's going on and something to look at. Again, like I mentioned, one of the things that's also come come out as a part of that, or semi-related to that, is the Oculus Rift. So the Oculus Rift is kind of the virtual reality headset, and Oculus is kind of the you know 800-pound gorilla of the market, so to speak. And they're coming out with their Oculus Rift, or at least pre-orders can start on Wednesday, January 6th. Now, again, this is something that isn't necessarily 100% or 1,000% related to web development. But, again, this is something that I think we need to pay attention to. Oftentimes it's the things that you don't that you know are coming but that you don't think will affect you that catch you by surprise. And I talk about this all the time. You, you know, you have to keep your head up and be aware of these things as a web developer. It's no longer good enough or okay to just put your head down and not pay attention to what's going on around you and just learn what you think you need to learn. The technology is changing everything so quickly and so dramatically at times that everything in a way has a potential to disrupt what we're doing. And so you have to pay attention to it. And I could see the 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 idea of virtual reality becoming something that could be disruptive. Now, I think for the most part, everything that's been talked about, it's really been talked about gaming and so that's not necessarily something as a pure web developer that we would necessarily be paying attention to, or at least it would affect us heavily. Uh, now, obviously, if you're into if you're building apps and and so forth, then this is definitely something that you want to be paying attention to. But you know, as a pure web developer, maybe not so much. But the thing the the tie in for me is is Facebook has talked in the past about using virtual reality for for its platform and integrating it into its platform and to me that's where you kind of start to okay let's let's see exactly what that means now i I can't predict the future and tell you exactly how that's all going to work out and how that's going to affect us but I could see potential for that being something that maybe becomes disruptive where you know you have a site like Facebook that starts using virtual reality and and it catches let's say it catches on and now that starts to become the way that people want to interact with with one another well that's something that has the potential to affect lots uh, of other parts of the web the way you know clients want to interact with maybe you know now instead of making phone calls we're putting on our oculus rift and 
you know, when we're calling a business, we're talking to someone in virtual reality. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? But it's definitely something that I think that that we should pay attention to. So pre-orders for that are starting on Wednesday. Uh, I think that ought to be pretty cool to see exactly what that turns out to be. Also, uh, I thought this. I just thought this was interesting. Again, not something that technically affects web developers, but GM apparently footed the bill for uh, lifted another round of investing, and GM was about half of that. So they raised, I think it was five point five billion. And GM was about half of that invested. And they are looking at a partner. They're talking in a partnership of Lyft helping power some of GM's driverless cars or self-driving cars in different ways, along with the OnStar and so forth. So I think that's pretty interesting. I guess that's me kind of geeking out. I'm I'm actually looking forward to the self-driving car stuff. I hate driving. (laughs) I really do. Uh, and so if I could have a self-driving car drive me around everywhere, I'm all game for that. That's just more time that I can spend on my computer, right? So uh, those are some of the things that are going on. To be honest with you, it's been a little bit uh, of a dry week for kind of pure web development, web design news. A lot of the stuff is end of year, beginning of year type stuff that I think we've probably all seen a hundred times that I really didn't want to get into. So. Uh, those are some of the cooler things that are coming out in the news. And I think a couple of those things have the potential to affect us. All right, coming up next, we're going to dive into a little mindset talk and talking about being easy to work with. I think it's something that web developers, especially new web developers, maybe overlook a little bit. And so I want to talk about that and the you know the thing that I've had Almost every client tell me about their previous web developer that you never want them to say about you. Also, a little bit later, we'll dive into some tech talk. We're going to be diving into responsive design principles, principles that every web developer should know, in my opinion. Also, we're going to be diving into how I'm going to launch my wife's freelance career. And as always, our Q&A. You're listening to John Morris Show on johnmorrisonline.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Ebates, where you can earn cash back on your online purchases from major retailers like Amazon, eBay, Walmart.com, and more. John Morris Show listeners can get your free account by visiting johnmorrisonline.com slash Ebates. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. Let's talk about working with clients and being easy to work with. Now, I actually bring this up because for me, it came up in my interaction via email with some web developers who have seen some of my YouTube videos and so forth and talking with them and the way that they were interacting with me and really just kind of being, I think, a little bit unreasonable. And that is what it is. I mean, I deal with that thing constantly. But I look at it and I can't help but think that that mentality is going to bleed over into working with a client, working with a boss, 
working with a coworker, and it can really, really be limiting. Now, here's the context for this for me. You know, I did not start off in my life as a tech person. I started really was kind of a jock and played football and basketball and so forth. That led me into really my first job that I had was in sales. And so I think maybe that gives me a little bit different perspective having done sales, worked in sales, customer service, so to speak, and done it at a high level, been successful at it for a while before getting into technology and becoming a developer. Because in sales, you know, it it really is all about being easy to work with in a sense or the interaction you have with the client or customer. Because oftentimes what you're selling isn't you or your skill set. It's somebody else's. And so it all comes down to, you know, them buying through you all comes down to how easy you are to work with, how helpful you are. And so I think maybe that gives me a little bit different perspective. And so I've always taken that approach in working with my clients. And one of the things that I hear from almost every client that I've ever worked with was them telling me just how hard it was to work with their previous developer. That whenever they wanted some sort of change or they wanted to anything that they wanted, it was like it was a big ordeal for the developer to do. It was a, just a big pain in the butt for them. And the client really kind of started to feel like they were a nuisance to the, their developer. It it really is an interesting dynamic because the client is the one paying for the work, but they were starting to feel like the developer really just didn't like them and didn't want anything to do with them. And they just, they they thought they were talented they liked them as a person. They just thought they were really, really hard to work with. And they appreciated working with me because I was a lot easier to work with. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. And I've had my moments, believe me. But generally speaking, the clients that I worked with have told me that they found it that I was simply easier to work with. And that was a huge thing for them. They just wanted someone who had the skill to do what they needed to do, but what they were asking wasn't super crazy and then was just easy to work with, was easy to talk to and 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 be around, was just a nice person. You can't underestimate that. And here's what I think happens for developers. A lot of developers are, generally speaking, are smart people or people who see themselves as smart. Now, the reason that happens isn't because web design or web development is like overly complicated and takes, you have to be super smart to do it. Uh, It's the fact that everybody thinks it is. And so only people who see themselves as smart generally even attempt to do it, right? So you get a lot of people who have been told uh, their whole lives that they're smart. And I absolutely fall into this category and start to believe the hype a little bit. And so what happens is they get more focused on being right than on maintaining the relationship with someone who's really kind of paying their bills, right? So 
it's easy to get caught up in being right versus being helpful. And that's a big, big mistake to make because being right, especially in web design and web development, can also leave you broke. And so you can't overlook how important it is to just simply be pleasant, be easy to work with. It's a, trust me, it's a huge factor for clients. Something that a lot of clients when it comes to web developers are really looking for. Now, I know because I've done this long enough that oftentimes clients play a role in this, right? It's not just the developer being unreasonable. Usually there's more to that story. I know that because I've dealt with (laughs) clients like that. But you have to remember, clients are the ones that pay the bills. So you can't let yourself get too caught up on the thing things that they're doing that annoy you. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones hiring you, not the other way around. So you can't let yourself become what I call actually man or woman, which is the person that, you know, whenever the client says something, you say, well, actually, right, you never want to be that guy or that girl. Because eventually, and I know this from experience having... <laughs> been the people, the person that clients ran to, eventually you'll lose your client. And now who's out? So now again, there is something to to be said for clients who are just way unreasonable and firing clients. I've had to do that before. Don't get me wrong. But if you find yourself in a situation where the majority of your clients that you work with are starting to you know, maybe interact with you in a strange way and eventually leave and hire somebody else, you might want to take a look in the mirror because you may have become actually man or woman and are pushing your clients away because you're you're simply not easy to work with. All right, so I'll 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 leave that there. Coming up next, we're gonna be diving into design principles or responsive design principles that I think every web developer should know. And this comes from really the godfather of web des- or responsive web design, Ethan Marcotte. So if you don't know, Ethan Marcotte is really kind of the, the prime mover, the, the first person to really push this, the, the original idea of responsive web design and has some new stuff out that I think is worth taking a look at. So we'll dive into that. We'll talk about those web design principles. As I mentioned earlier, coming up later in the show, we'll dive into some freelancing. We'll be talking about how I'm going to help my wife launch her freelance career, exactly what I'm going to do for her. And then as always, our Q&A. You're listening to The John Morris Show on johnmorrisonline.com. John Morris here for the Complete Web Developer Course by Rob Percival on udemy.com. Now here's the deal with this. Do you ever get frustrated constantly searching the internet for tutorials to learn how to code? Are you worried that learning how to code is taking longer than it should? Do you just wish you could learn everything in one convenient place so you can get on with earning your living as a web developer? Well, that is exactly why Rob created the Complete Web Developer Course. Everything you need to know 
HTML, CSS, JavaScript, jQuery, PHP, MySQL, WordPress, APIs, and mobile apps in one convenient course. And you know it works because Rob has over 183,000 students and the most five-star ratings of any course on Udemy. Now here's the best part. John Morris Show listeners can get an exclusive, and this is just for you guys only, an exclusive 85% discount on the course simply by visiting johnmorrisonline.com slash cwdc. So look, quit pulling your hair out trying to find good tutorials on the web. Do the smart thing and hit up my man Rob's complete web developer course with the slick 85% discount right now. Visit johnmorrisonline.com slash cwdc and you'll be all set. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. I am your host, John Morris, and welcome to the tech section. And in this week's segment, we're going to be talking about responsive web design principles that I think every web developer should know. Now this, again, as I mentioned earlier, this comes from A List Apart and Ethan Marcotte, who is really kind of the godfather of responsive web design. Now, he's written a whole article on this, and it's uh, called, it's simply called Frameworks, which I think is a weird title, given what it talks about, but I think I get what he's going for, but I would maybe just ignore that title altogether, because what you think of initially doesn't really seem to me like what he's talking about. So, But the article's really about trying to lay out moving beyond techniques and tactics. And I always like to geek out on this stuff because I think web design, I think business, I think marketing, I think life is really more about concepts than it is about techniques. And what I mean by that is you always have to have techniques and tactics to implement, but those flow from the concepts or the principles. And when you get the principles, when you really get them and internalize them, you start to create your own techniques and tactics and so forth. And so that's really what he's talking about here, about moving beyond the techniques of media queries and dynamic widths and responsive image, like thinking outside of that to the bigger picture of what are we really doing here with responsive web design. And so that's what this article is all about. I'm linking to it over on the show notes page for this episode at johnmorrisonline.com slash 57. I highly recommend that you head over there and check out this article and read it from top to bottom. I will, of course, try to do it justice here in this episode, but highly, highly recommend reading this article. So he starts off by talking about the difference between a content in and a content out approach. Now, essentially what a content out approach means is that a grid for the web should be defined by the content, not the edge of an imaginary page. And so that's in contrast to kind of what was the approach that people have taken in the past and maybe still take a little bit to this day, which is a content in approach where you really think about the the boundaries of the web page first and you kind of design around that. What he's saying is you should really design for your content first and then kind of feel it out from there. And so he says, and I'm quoting him here, 
for me, that content out process begins by looking at the smallest version of a piece of content, then expanding that element until its seams begin to show and it starts to lose its shape. Once that happens, that's an opportunity to make a change, to introduce a breakpoint that reshapes the elements, the element and preserves its integrity. So what he's saying is he likes to start really at the smallest width that you're going to design for. And again, you can kind of decide, you can look at, you know, what you want to target in terms of screen sizes and so forth, but really looking at the smallest size and designing for that first and basing it around the content, letting the content lead the way. And once you've designed that, then as you expand the screen size and it it reaches a point where it starts to no longer make sense design-wise, then that's when you introduce a breakpoint that really kind of reshapes the element to make it kind of bring it back into integrity with how you want it to look. Okay, so that's the content out approach. And there's some ways uh, in which you go about doing this. There's some things that you look at when taking this approach. So the first one is width. Now, as he says, width is probably a little self-evident. As the width of a viewport changes, so does the width of the responsive design. Um, so, you know, as the design gets wider or narrower, so will the elements within it, and those modules expand or contract, and there may be opportunities to add a breakpoint. Really, this is kind of everything that we just talked about. This is a little bit self-evident. Probably when you think of responsive web design, this is what you think of. But you still have to think about it, right? You still have to think about how you're going to interact with the width or how you're going to manage the width in your design. Again, starting from the, the smallest width and then moving out. So you, again, it's self-evident, but you have to think through that and how you're going to manage that. So that's kind of the easy one. The next one is hierarchy. So as the shape of an element changes, the hierarchy of elements may need to change as well. So as the screen gets narrower, we lose the ability to place multiple columns side by side. And that's where a question of hierarchy arises. In a single column layout, which piece of content should appear first? So again, a simple idea, but something that you need to take into account as the screen gets smaller, now you're going to be stacking elements on top of one another and you need to start to look at the hierarchy that makes sense in that particular view when you have a more of a top to bottom as opposed to a two column side by side type view. Uh, and so you have to look at that hierarchy and how you want things laid out and being, you know, being responsible uh, about how you lay that out in a top to bottom fashion, understanding that your user is going to be scrolling through it. So you have to manage your width. You also have to manage your hierarchy. The next is interaction. So the way that we interact with an element may change along with the design and responsive navigation systems are probably the most obvious example of this. When it's at a full width screen, you have a nice menu with different links and so forth, and you interact with that in a certain way. But as the screen sh shrinks to a certain viewport, that no longer becomes feasible, and now you have to change the way in which you interact with the design. 
And so a lot of times what we see is the hamburger menu where you click and it kind of brings a top to bottom list and you kind of scroll through it uh, and you interact with it in that way. But there's other elements on the page. It could be forms and buttons and so forth. You know, it could be videos or images. There's all sorts of inner thing things on a web page that you can interact with and you have to think through how you're going to have that interaction happen at the different screen sizes that you're going to to target. And again, taking that content out approach and looking at it. As the screen gets bigger, well, what makes sense at the smallest size I'm gonna target? And then as the screen gets bigger, when does that no longer make sense and when do I need to do something else and change it? Finally, the last one then is density. And that's the amount of information you're so showing in an element. And that may need to change uh, as the the width of the screen changes or the the viewport size changes of the web page that you're creating. Okay, so the amount of information you may have, you know, at a full width, you may have little blocks that are stacked six across, and then as the the viewport changes, you may need to stack those into a two across, and then top to bottom. You know, the example he uses on the site is a uh, bracket that's being used for, I think it was a football bracket, if I remember correctly, but it was a bracket that showed kind of the playoffs uh, for a particular sport. And at the full width, it's kind of looks like a, you would think a bracket would, but as that viewport shrinks, then the the actual layout simplifies and changes and they're showing less information in a particular element. And so again, you got to think that through. Now, what kind of what all of this goes to is a lot of times we can get set in our ways of of how we do these different things. And that's what he's encouraging us not to do, to to think these things through with our designs and not just accept what a particular framework, the way it might be doing it. Maybe there's a better way to do it for a particular website or particular design. And so to get creative and, and at the same time, be responsible with these things as you're building your responsive websites. So these are kind of the things that you can play with, the key things that you can play with when you're doing that. So again, uh, if it's not obvious after uh, us talking about it here, uh, the 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 article that he wrote again over on a list apart is definitely worth a read. Uh, it, highly recommend you go check that out. Again, you can find the link to it over at johnmorrisonline.com/slash fifty-seven. I think it's something that we should all pay attention to and and take heed. And see how this advances as more and more people kind of jump in and comment and, and these things kind of clear, clarify themselves because he's very much uh, he's very much presenting this as really here's what I think, here's what you know, what do you think about this? So it's something to think through and, and see what you think and, and see how it develops over time. All right, so coming up next. We're going to be diving into uh, our freelancing section, and I'm going to be talking about how I'm going to help my wife launch her freelance career. So she uh, had came to me the other day and said she wanted to try this freelancing thing, 
and she wanted me to help her. And so I started thinking about it and I was like, okay, exactly, you know, what all exactly do do we want to do? What's the steps that I want to go through and so forth? And so I've been thinking about that quite a bit lately and I've laid out really kind of some very simple steps of the big kind of things that I think she needs to take care of. And so I'm going to going through that for you in the next segment, talking about how I'm going to help my wife launch her freelance career and exactly what I'm going to be telling her to do. So you definitely want to stick around for that if you're thinking of freelancing or you're currently freelancing now. All right, you're listening to the John Morris Show and johnmorrisonline.com. Hey, everybody. As you probably know, I constantly harp on using content to help you grow your audience and build your credibility as a web developer. But your web presence is nothing without a great hosting provider. So if you haven't yet, get your website up and running with a fast, reliable, and well-supported web host, Bluehost, for less than 6 bucks a month. You can check it out and get Bluehost's best price over at johnmorrisonline.com slash bluehost. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com, and welcome to the freelance section. Now, got a real treat for you this week because my wife came to me this past week and said she wanted to try this freelancing thing that her husband has been doing for a while and give it a shot. And now a little background on that. She's done, uh, she's been an assistant uh, for administrative assistant for a number of years. Um, you know, she was also an investigator at uh, the attorney general's office and has, has really kind of worked in that kind of office environment for a long time, has always excelled at it, is very, very good at it. And so she's looking to maybe do some virtual assisting to maybe move into being able to do that and, and work from home more as opposed to working in an office and so forth. So she came to me and said she wanted to to give it a shot and help her set up her profile and, and kind of help her launch uh, a freelancing business. She's going to do it on the side for now and then just see where it goes. But uh, I started thinking through, okay, you know, this is something I've done, obviously, and looking back on all my experience and everything, what if I were to go back, how would I exactly do this step by step? So that's what I started doing. I've been thinking a lot about this. And so that's what I'm going to share with you here. This is quite literally what I'm going to be walking through her with. So uh, you can rest assured if it's what I'm telling my own wife, then uh, this is you know exactly what uh, I think is the best thing for you to do. So the very first thing, and I know I, I mentioned this once before a long time ago, and I, I don't know that I've mentioned it as much lately, but uh, sometimes I get people who tell me, well, you repeat the same thing over and over again. Well, you know, I, I do that because I get people who contact me and ask me for help, and I see the same things over and over again. So uh, it's one thing to hear it, it's another to do it. But the very first thing is, I'm going to make sure that she simply builds a complete profile. I can't, I mean, I can't stress enough how important yet not done very often that that is. And what I mean by that is a service description that's longer than two sentences. And uh, 
a picture that doesn't look like the person just rolled out of bed. Like actually taking the time to be thoughtful and filling out the profile from the client's perspective. What would you want to see if you were hiring someone, if you were going to be paying them hundreds or thousands of dollars in hiring them? You'd want to see someone who paid attention to detail, looked like they were responsible, looked like they were professional, you know, looked like they could communicate well. These are all things that you would look for if you were hiring somebody. And so those are the things that you want to do when you're filling out your profile on a freelancing site or even if you're building your own website. You just want to make sure that you fill everything out and not just put something in the box, but actually fill it out and answer the question and, you know, giving the client what they're they're after. You don't necessarily have to be the the slickest salesperson in the world. It's just a matter of taking the time to write it out and being honest and and you know telling them the things that they're they're going to be wanting answers to. Now, in that, there are a couple of things that I will be focusing on. One, I'm going to focus on her picture. Believe it or not, that's a huge thing. That your picture is one of the probably the first thing they're going to look at. Our our eyes are just naturally attracted to visual images. And so it's 99% of the time going to be the very first thing that they see when it comes to your profile. And so you want to make sure that it communicates the right things. I don't know how many times I see pictures of freelancers who say they're struggling to get work. And I go to their their profile and their picture is of them. You know, it's like blurry or it's kind of this edgy look with them their hair all messed up. and I don't, you know, I kind of am always like, what are you doing? (laughs) If you were a client about to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars, is that what you would want to see? So I'm going to focus on her picture. I'm also going to focus on her experience. Now, this is particular to her because she has a lot of experience doing being an administrative assistant. So I'm really going to highlight that. Now, this is where you need to look at yourself and say, what what would be the best thing for me to highlight about myself? Now, maybe you're fresh out of college. A good thing, and maybe don't have experience to highlight, but a good thing for you to highlight would be your degree. There's a lot of developers out there who's, who don't have that. If you have that, then highlight that by all means. So I'm going to highlight her experience. So we're going to find that thing that for you that you can highlight that will attract clients and and mean something to them. The third thing then is her service description. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here next, but really one of the the best things that you can do for yourself is to fill, really fill out a complete service description that really gives clients the answers to the questions that they're going to be asking when they're looking to hire a freelancer and communicating clearly. Here's a little secret for you if you're if you don't know this. One of the biggest things clients look for in hiring a freelancer is someone who can communicate well because they just want someone they can talk to who will understand what they're saying and be able to do what it is that they want. So, how you communicate on your profile is a huge indica- indicator to them. So, if you don't take the time to write very much or the your grammar isn't very good. Th- those things are things that are going to stick out to them that will be a 
deal breaker for them. So we're going to focus heavily on that. Now, as I mentioned, with writing a service description and focusing on that, the thing I'm going to focus on is, and I've talked about this before, but there are really 10 questions that you need to answer before a client can feel comfortable in saying yes, that you have to have good answers to uh, for them to feel comfortable saying yes to you. And so I've done this before, but if you go to the show notes page, johnmorrisonline.com slash 57, I'll link to the article I wrote on that. It's a really long article where I go into each one of those 10 questions and how you should answer them. So I'm going to be following that myself as we go through and write her service description. So again, that's what I would, if this you're following along with us, that's exactly what I would do is find that article and go through them. Yeah, it's a long article. Yeah, it's going to take you a little time to get through that and actually write all that stuff out. But trust me, it's worth it because you get it down once, you can use it over and over and over again, tweak it and so forth. And you know when you get get it to where it works, it'll work time and time and time again. I've actually adapted that in selling things that aren't freelancing, like products and so forth. I've taken that same, those same kind of concepts, those same questions, and tweaked them for selling other things. So uh, it works really, really well. So I'm going to be following that. Next, I'm going to be teaching her how to bid on jobs and how to, not just how to price, but how to create a conversation in bidding. So that's one of the most important things that you can do because with the freelance sites, you really want to try and create long-term clients, not just win that particular job. And so if you can create a conversation, you'll be somebody that they remember. And they may not hire you for that particular job, but the next time something comes up, you'll be one of the people that they invite to bid on your job because of the conversation that you had with them. Oh, and of course, it also helps you to win that particular job as well. So we're going to be talking about that interaction. I'm also going to be talking, uh, be encouraging her to, at first, I'm going to have her bid low on the jobs. Now, this is a big thing with these freelance sites is, oh, you have to bid low in order to get jobs. You only have to do that if you don't have a good job history and reputation on there. So uh, I'm going to encourage her to bid low at first to get that on-site job experience to get the reviews from clients, to get, you know, th- those sites, they track how many jobs you do and that goes into how your their rating for you and all the, the different factors and algorithms they use. So I'm going to have her bid low to get the job so that she wins the job so that she can gain that experience and then over time she can raise her rates. I did that exact same thing when I got my brother freelancing. I had him do that exact same thing. And trust me, you can do that. Start low and then raise your bid slowly over time. Now, low for me and him was more money per hour than we'd ever made in our life before that. I mean, I started out, my low was $25 an hour. I never made $25 an hour at a job in my life before that. So it's relative, but that is low uh, in the web development market. So and then over time, I raised it to where it's over, you know, upwards over a hundred dollars an hour. Uh, by the time I had really kind of got off those sites and and stopped freelancing, but uh, 
Again, I'm going to encourage her to do that to get the job on-site job experience and then she can raise her rates over time. Then from there, I'm going to work on convincing her to start blogging. This is something, if you guys listen to me, I say over and over and over again. I'm a broken record, but you should never rely on those sites to bring you all of your work. Uh, you be a slave to their rating system and you know that can be... It's just not a smart move in my opinion. So I'm going to work on convincing her to start blogging, start building her own audience and getting that audience to hire her on the site. And so she has a little more control over how she gets clients and so forth. That is the number one thing that I did uh, when I started freelancing that made the biggest difference and to this day still drives everything that I do. So uh, I'm going to be working on her, convincing her to do that now. You know, I can't work on convincing you like I can her. So take this as, I guess, your, your, your encouragement that if you're not blogging, you need to be blogging or creating YouTube videos or answering questions on Stack Overflow or Quora or wherever it makes sense for you to be answering questions for what you do and creating that content and building an audience of your own outside of the freelancing sites and then directing that audience to the freelancing site if they want to hire you. And then the last piece, I will be teaching her how to wow clients. And the two things that I'm going to focus on specifically is delivery So the delivery experience that she gives to clients and not only just how fast it is, but also, you know, how informed they are, letting them know what's going to be coming, how quickly, the quality of the delivery, all those things. And then the other thing is how she communicates throughout that. So at the key points of her delivery Uh, whatever it is she happens to be delivering, communicating with the client at those key points, being proactive in her communication. And then, of course, also the way in which she communicates, as I mentioned and talked about earlier, uh, being easy to work with. Uh, Those are the things that I'm going to be focusing on with her. So that's kind of my five-point plan for helping her launch her career. There's lots of other things that you could go into down the road. But to me, those are the key most important things to to start doing right off the bat. So again, that's what I'm going to be going through my own wife with, helping her launch her freelance career. You know, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> you know, that that's what I'm going to be teaching a family member of mine. So, you know, that's really the best start, the the most important things for you to get started quickly. So again, take that for what it's worth. If you're into looking to start freelancing, you're doing it now and maybe not having the success you want, then kind of go back through this and really think those things through for yourself. All right, coming up next, we're going to dive into our Q&A. We're going to be talking about social networks, ASB.net, finding source code, and so forth. So you're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. So I just realized something. I'm always harping on how important creating blog content is for getting new clients to your web design business. But what if you don't have a blog and you're not sure how to get one set up? Well, don't worry because I've just created a new tutorial on how to start your blog in less 
than 15 minutes. So in less than 15 minutes from now, you could have your blog up and running and creating content that's going to help you attract new clients for your web design business. In order to take this tutorial, you want to head on over to johnsbloggingtutorial.com. Again, that's johnsbloggingtutorial.com. Head on over and let's get your blog started today. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. And this is our Q&A section. So in this Q&A section, I answer questions that I've received from you. These could be via email, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, and so forth. All right, so let's go ahead and dive right into these. So the first one is it's really kind of a conglomeration of different questions I get about building a social network. So it's, should I build a social network? What kind of social network should I build? How do I build a social network? I get a lot of these questions. And the reason is, is this is one of my more popular videos on YouTube is a social network tutorial that I did. Now, I actually have left a comment on that YouTube video giving my opinion on building a social network. And I want to kind of go through that here a little bit, maybe give a little bit more detail. So I don't, I want to make sure I say this right because I get people who kind of push back and maybe misunderstand what I'm saying. So when I talk to people about this and I get questions about this, what I tend to find is that developer, I, I, jokingly refer to it as the Mark Zuckerberg syndrome. And what I mean by that is people have seen that movie. They get really inspired. And look, when I first saw that movie, I did too. I sat down and I'm like, I need to build a social network. I need to be like that. What can I do? I want to change the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all fine. But my opinion is that if you want to make a name for yourself, and I want to be make sure I'm clear, if you want to make a name for yourself, that's an important qualifier. That's not a throwaway line. So in that specific context, if you're trying to make a name for yourself and have a huge impact like Mark Zuckerberg did with Facebook, in my opinion, I don't think a social network is the way to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have a better idea for a social network or you just want to build a social network or whatever, that you shouldn't do it. I'm not saying don't build a social network if you really, really want to or you think you really have a point of view or a perspective and a way of doing one that's better, that you legitimately think is better. But what I want you to consider is that, you know, one of the largest companies in the world, Google, made that attempt and it really didn't go that well. And more and more what you're seeing, and you're seeing this from Google, but you're also seeing this from Facebook, is that instead of having a big box social network, and what I mean by a big box social network is a social network that has all of the things combined that that people might want to do socially boxed up into that one social network, right? You're seeing less and less of that and you're seeing really it kind of dispersing into different apps. So 
Facebook, you know, you have Facebook, but you have also a Facebook Messenger app. You have a Facebook Groups app. You have Instagram and you have all of the different things that they own. They're kind of piecing their social network out into a bunch of different apps that are targeted to something very, very specific. So you have a messaging app just for messaging. You have a photo sharing app and Instagram just for sharing photos and so on. So trying to wrap all of that into a social network, I don't think is the way to go because the major players in the industry are moving away from that because it's not what people want. And so in order to compete with apps like WhatsApp or you know Snapchat or some of the different messaging apps that are out there, they're being forced to kind of build their own different apps and create their own experience where they can really dig in more with that specific focus. And so instead of it being a feature of a big social network, it's its own application in and of itself. So again, I don't think building a big box social network is the way that you're going to make a name for yourself. It's been done. And unless you have some really, really great idea that nobody's thought of, then you know, I don't I don't think you're going to be able to make a name for yourself that way. Now, you may have that great idea, but again, I would say that most of the people I talk to think that just simply building a social network will will help them build their their notoriety and their name, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. So, again, should you build a social network? I'm not so sure. Should you you know, maybe look at building some sort of new application that's socially related or website that's socially related that does one thing really, really well? Absolutely. If that's the route that you want to go, then 1000%. Um, but again, building a big box social network, I don't think is going to get you the notoriety that you're, that you're looking for. All right, next question is, should I learn ASP.NET, Ruby, all of the different, you know, other languages that are out there besides the ones that I generally talk about, which are PHP, uh, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, etc., MySQL? Um, yes and no. And what I mean by that is, I don't, to me, I still think, that the core of web development is HTML, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, and MySQL. I think I'm still safe in saying that those are required. But outside of those, I don't think you should learn them necessarily just to learn them. And I don't advocate learning anything just to learn it. So I want to be clear on that. If you're going to learn something like that, especially something that has a lot smaller market share, I think you need to be really, really clear on the reasons why. So maybe it's because you've looked at, you've looked at that language and you just like it better. You think it's a better language and you want to work with it. Okay. Then yes, learn it. Or maybe it's because you've looked at the careers that are available and the salary that's available and it's more along the lines of what you want. 
And so you want to learn that so that you can get good enough to be able to have that career and earn that salary. Then yes, learn it. Or maybe it's because you want to work at a specific company. Maybe you want to go work at, you know, a Facebook or a, a LinkedIn or, or, or a number of the other big tech companies that are out there and they use a specific language that you need to learn in order to work there. Then yes, learn it. But do you need to learn ASP.net just to learn it? Uh, not in my opinion. Again, I think the core required languages are HTML, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, and MySQL. I think those you do have to learn just to learn them. And you could maybe make an argument for leaving off some of those. But, you know, if you want to go for the quote-unquote full-stack web developer, which seems to be a big thing these days, uh, then though you, you need to learn all those. But some of these other ones, you know, it depends what you want to do. So should it, should you learn ASP.NET? It really kind of depends on why. All right, final question then is a simple one. And I've had this asked a couple times, so I want to make sure and address it here, make sure it's publicly stated. And that is when it comes to your source code that you that I make available through my YouTube videos and on my site and so forth, what's the licensing? Can I use it for my products and so forth? And the answer to that is it you can use it however you want to use it. I've made it freely available. There's no restrictions. You know, use it how you want to use it. I don't really care. The source code that I provide is really meant more as training aids for the videos that I do. Now, the flip side of that is use it at your own risk. There's no guarantee or warranty of use, uh, you know, so use it at your own risk, but you're free to use it personal, commercial, as many different places as you want to use it. I don't really care. Use it however. All right, that'll wrap it up for our Q&A section. That will wrap it up for this episode. So I want to thank you for listening and giving me some of your time today. I really appreciate it. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud, and soon over on Google Play once they release it. And if you would be so kind and leave me a review and a rating on iTunes and SoundCloud and the different places that you can. I would really greatly appreciate that. It would help make the podcast just more easily discoverable by other web developers. And uh, again, I would greatly appreciate that. Also, if you like the show, if you could give it a like so that I know this is the kind of content that you're after and share it with the communities and people that you think will benefit, I would greatly appreciate that. If you have a question for me, or a comment or a suggestion for the show, then you can shoot me an email at john at johnmorrisonline.com. I do my best to answer those. I do get a lot of email, but I do my best to answer every one and try to get on the show what I can from that. And I do use a lot of that. In fact, uh, you know, a couple of the Q&A questions from today were from emails that were sent to me. So I do do that. So if you have a question, john at johnmorrisonline.com. Finally, you can always find all of my tutorials, podcast episodes, and more on johnmorrisonline.com or at jpmorris on Twitter and 
over on youtube.com slash John Morris video. All right, that'll do it for this week and this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, quick question for you. Are you running a WordPress site? If so, then I want to recommend to you the premium WordPress hosting service, WP Engine. Now, what makes WP Engine different than a lot of web hosts out there is that it's designed specifically for WordPress with advanced caching and security implementation to keep your WordPress website up and running and running as fast as possible. And we all know how important speed is on the web these days. So if you're running WordPress and you don't have WP Engine yet, be sure to give it a look. You can get their best price at johnmorrisonline.com slash WP Engine. Again, that's johnmorrisonline.com slash WP Engine, all one word. Check them out. You're going to love your WordPress hosting.